Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that walks up to a door and says, knock knock. Who's there? Armageddon. Armageddon who? Armageddon a bit sick and tired of this lockdown. Tough crowd. That atrocious attempt at humour that was meant to illustrate what we're talking about today, because after months of saying we really should do a pod on this, we finally got around to putting up... Putting this up for your enjoyment or derision. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the 9320 Comedy Special. Joining me today to celebrate all things that tickle the ribs are two stand-up guys, Howard and Leon. Good morning, Howard. How are you feel? Are you feeling particularly chucklesome today? Well, I was until your intro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, uh, it's pub quiz night right? on a Friday night for me, so I do look forward to that, so... And I I don't have to host it because I didn't win last week. So, yeah. Yeah? Should be good, yeah. Makes Fridays a bit more interesting like they used to be. So, (laughs) in the good old days. Yeah. And Leon, um, are you feeling all kind of humorous and ready to uh, have a laugh? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty chipper. I mean, I did have a stand-up career. It only lasted two gigs and was known as the No Jokes Tour. So, I'm not (laughs) sure whether I'm uh, your ideal... Uh, pundit on this, but I'll give it a go. Well, we should stress to the listeners that the three of us aren't actually, you know, the vehicles for humour here. We're not going to try and be funny, I can promise you that. Uh, instead, we're just going to celebrate the funny, funny things that's out there, um, particularly in this lockdown, the stuff that's available on Netflix and Prime and kind of other um, resources. Um, and yeah, without wanting to go all kind of corny and sentimental, we can all do with a, a laugh around about now anyway, couldn't we? So so let's start on the football scene. Um, Leon, what's the funniest moment you've ever experienced as a Blue? Well, if I'm honest, there's been a lot. Some of them were back in the 90s and it was more like depressing humour. Yeah. Uh, a few things I noted down sprung to mind. I was there when Jamie Pollock scored that own goal, uh, which looking back and seeing the videos on Twitter is hilarious. But when I was sat in the Kipax... And we were about to go down. It wasn't funny at all. Um, also, there was the, I went to the Liverpool game where they literally, it's nothing <laughs> like it is now. We were a laughing stock then to Liverpool. Yeah. I remember going there in midweek and losing 6-0 and then on the Saturday and lose 4-0. And my one claim to fame was I was a first-year student at Manchester Uni and I started off, um, we are City, we are Super City from Main Road, yes. which, which was a, you know, a real highlight for me. Uh, but it was a depressing week. And anyway, that season, I remember they weren't trying to win the game. Mm. Ian Rush scored by accident. It was literally an accident. And uh, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like they, they they really tried not to win. And they scored by accident. Because I think Liverpool, because their rival with United was so big, they're quite fond of us. So I don't think they really tried. And then I'm not sure it's the same game, but I know it's the last game of the season. I think it was that game. But basically... Alan Ball was barking orders to hold out for the draw, even though someone somewhere else had, was winning now, and it yeah. changed. And I remember him and Lomas having a massive because Lomas was like his little um, teacher's pet, I think, because he was ginger and worked hard. <laughs> but basically, basically, I just remember this, and it, it, again, it wasn't funny at the time. I assure you, I was in tears, but it was kind of comedy. Alan Ball screaming at Lomas to like. 
don't do anything, just relax and stop trying to, you know, go in hard and, and relax. And in the end, we went down. And uh, just they, miscommunication, they the, wasn't it? It's it a was, massive um, miscommunication. Now Quinn was aware the, of it. The truth, funny after the event thing, is now Quinn coming out of the yeah. in a towel to tell them that we actually needed to win because <laughs> he'd heard in the dressing room uh, that you know the other score lines at the time, so came running up the touchline saying, "No, lads, lads, attack! We need a goal." So <laughs> meanwhile, yeah. Stevie Bowman was in the corner. Yeah, not, yeah, not that's right. At the time, but typical city. Yeah, personified, and, and it's and it summed up that era to be honest with you. And and just after that, just on on the same um, conversation was that I remember going to Coventry away. I think it was a FA Cup game, and it had snowed, and all the city fans were throwing snowballs at Gordon Strachan while he was <laughs> taking a throw in, which was <laughs> funny. And I know I got told off last time by Howard for mentioning the W word, but yeah. the greatest moment I remember. And I think that again, they're the same day. Was um, Liam Gallagher came out to before a game to sort of say hello to the fans, and he spent ages trying to light up a cigarette, and he couldn't do it. He's in the middle. He's in, he's in the centre um, circle, and he was trying to light this fag, and he couldn't get a match. And all the City fans started saying, "Do you want to light or all this?" But he was so really trying to get this cigarette lit, and it kind of. It was a bit of a damp square. And in the same game, I think Wimbledon fans, there were 44 of them at the game. <laughs> and um, everyone was sort of counting about, you can only afford one bus and everything else. Anyway, at that point, Justin Fashionu was still alive and he'd, he'd come out as gay. And all the City fans were singing, does your brother double you off? Yeah. So th- the whole game. The whole game. I mean, obviously, nowadays it's, it's disgraceful that kind of stuff. But Vinnie Jones took it upon himself to say, "No, I do it," and he jumped <laughs> on Fashionu's back. Nice. He jumped on Fashionu's back and did the did the sign. And actually, we lost that day. Then he had forty four fans or whatever there. We lost, and Vinnie Jones got a standing ovation from the city fans. So this was all the same kind of time. And it, as I said again, it really wasn't funny at the time. Apart from Vinny, was was hilarious that day. How would, what um, what stands out <laughs> for on. you? Is I mean, there's plenty to choose from. Let's face it, we've had this comedy of errors, hasn't it, over the years? Yeah. Well, no, the first thing that always. I mean, yeah, there's a, two very different things: joy and you know, humour. Really, uh, I've probably forgotten a thousand. There's been thousands of terrible chants I've heard from both our fans and other fans down the years. But I've probably forgotten quite a few brilliant ones as well. And there's one that just makes me laugh, but I can't say it on here. It's, it's too it's too cruel towards the player involved, to be honest. So, what, what was the uh, player? Who was the player? No. Okay. <laughs> well, that. Uh, uh, podcast of rock and roll. Podcast of rock and roll of... Uh, we're not allowed, no. This is no, no time for you to turn into Enya. A podcasting Enya. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what uh, Asad always told me. It's rock and roll podcast. Come it, on, was it a City yeah. player? No. Oh, okay. No, nothing to do with City. But no, we're, as as Leon said, we're, we're much more PC and considerate people now. Right. Oh, it's that kind of chat. We, we don't okay. talk about things like that. Um, Fair enough. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> uh, the first one that springs to mind is always the Adebayor goal celebration. Yeah. Uh, it's everything you want. It's pettiness, <laughs> vindictiveness, grudging, a grudge. 
the long distance he had to run. It's like it's. I was next to the away fans, and it was. It just he started this goal celebration. It just slowly dawns on you. He's cut. He's getting nearer and nearer to us down here. He's not stopping, is he? And it's like, but uh, just as funny, yeah. As it happened, I went to my mate. It was like laughing, and it's very rare you laugh about something inside a football stadium. You jump up and down and celebrate, yeah. But physically belly laughing, it's like this was one of them. I turned to my mate and said, "It's going to be in trouble for that." But you know, at the time, it was like hilarious. But just as funny is the the response of the Arsenal fans. Yeah, is. The uh, pretending to be to get at him whilst having no intention of getting at him whatsoever is still one of the funniest memes you can see on uh, Twitter or on, online. The only other one is the United fans at Sunderland when that clip of the woman on the phone when it does oh, yeah. City have just scored. Magical, I wish it? it was ten seconds longer that clip, but mm. that will still make me laugh now. <laughs> uh, apart from that, yeah, there's probably a thousand. Uh, Chants are forgotten, and there's always just one little thing. It's probably happened. Up. You've probably seen it a thousand times. A rival fan giving it to you the big, you know, the fingers and whatnot. And I saw it with the United fan once after we were thrashing them. I think we were 4-1 up. The way ends, trying to leave, giving it to the City fans next to him, and trips up and falls down the stairs. Uh, he was fine. I should that. You know, got up and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, obviously embarrassed, quickly left the scene. But, yeah, you can't get... Can't get much funnier than that when you're absolutely thrashing United and the United fan humiliates himself in front of the watching City fans. So, but mine's um, I've got a couple of niche ones, I guess. Well, the first one I think a lot of people would be aware of against Newcastle when City ran out of chips and it was announced in the first half <laughs> at half time there'll be no chips. And um, about 10 minutes prior to that, um, there was a uh, a Newcastle fan with a bit carrying a bit of timber and was aware of it and was playing up to it to um, the City fans and um, so the chant was you know you greedy bastard you ate all our chips uh, which I loved <laughs> um, but a particularly niche one for me was home to Reading uh, December 2012 um, my biggest bugbear in football is time wasting I can't bear it and most particularly what I really can't bear is when an away keeper sets out to time waste from like the fifth minute on and the ref doesn't do anything. And then the crowd gets more and more irate. And then finally, in that 70th or 80th minute, the, the ref kind of makes a big show of showing the yellow card. Well, I think we'll just carry on doing it anyway. It's just facilitating cheating in my book. On this particular day, it's Mike Dean of all officials. You'd think he'd actually is the kind of ref who might like to kind of stand up to such time wasting. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, he just let it go on and on. And we are talking here the fifth minute on. It's the worst I've ever seen. They were bringing... If if it was a throw in on the right hand side, then the left back would trot over to take it. Um, this went on and on throughout the whole game, and then Gareth Barry scored in the ninety second minute. Um, <laughs> and the humour for me came about thirty seconds after that, when there was another goal kick for Reading, and this time the Reading keeper he basically just chucked the ball in the vague vicinity of the six yard line, uh, six yard box, couldn't kick it out quick enough, you know. Um, and the contrast, and oh, I just loved it. Loved that. I was laughing my head off seeing that. Um, just seeing all his kind of cheating come to nothing. But t- talking of time wasting, City playing down the clock in that corner of Old Trafford when they were 2 1. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Yeah, he couldn't get near the ball. Yeah, and Kyle Walker with the um, ball boy as well. Yeah, and, the, yeah, where it just <laughs> and, then, and actually starts, tries to dob him into the referee. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> but 
yeah, at the end of the other time, I've laughed. Like, actually just laughed at the ridiculousness of football was when the sixth goal went in at Old Trafford as well. Mm. I just thought it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just the, well, they'd already gone by then, haven't they? But actually yeah. preceding that, just the way but, they all flooded yeah. out was... But, and speaking of United, uh, Rio Ferdinand trying to start a fight with Mario Balotelli <laughs> after the semi-final is an iconic photograph. It, just, it, it is. Mario it's Mario Nitz's face. It's just a wink. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. care less. Yeah. yeah. Job done, basically. So, <laughs> away from City, um, Leon, what's cracked you up the most in football? Um, all this talk about the Premiership starting again, again, is is kind of laughable. It's annoying and depressing, but it's laughable yeah. at the minute. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, but I don't think football's been very funny lately. I mean, I've got to say, those obviously it was my age, but those those 90s years were were funny. The chants were funny. City fans were really amusing. And I think that humour's gone a little bit with our success and with football being slightly more sterile. I don't think there are as many funny moments, but... Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say before we... I'm sorry, I know for agenda-wise you're moving on, but do you remember Barry Conlon? Yes, oh God, yeah, how could we... Well, does it, how could we forget? Yeah, I wish I could. Yeah. So, but, but honestly, I mean, I felt so... I used to kind of had a bit of empathy for his family and stuff when he came on, but it was like it was a fad who'd come onto the pitch <laughs> each time he came on. And I swear, there was one game, the whole stadium were like laughing their head off when he came on and they were singing songs about, did they find you in the crowd? And honestly, it, it was, I've never laughed so much at a game because it was like pure joy amongst all City fans. I don't know whether you remembered that, but, um, but yeah, the Barry Conlon, I don't know what happened to his career. Um, Carried on in a similar vein. <laughs> but I, I, I saw, it was, it was one of those kind of uh, laughing out loud and really enjoying it, but also thinking, Poor fucking poor guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? But um, away from City in football, um, I mean, we see so many memes and gifs and stuff on Twitter. I mean, there's lots of amusing stuff. I think Roy Keane's hilarious. Um, you know, <laughs> in, in you might disagree. You you might disagree with that. I think maybe his management <laughs> has a lot to be desired, but I do think his. Um, Taking the piss, taking the piss out of Carragher, and the way he just stands up to people. And I know, I know it's a bit caricature now, but it does amuse me. Hmm. And when you see him speaking at events, you know, I, you probably, you guys might not like him, but I, I do find him quite amusing because, as I said earlier, there, there aren't that many characters in football for me now. And uh, whether you find him funny or not, he does stick to what he what he thinks. Fair enough, Howard. Uh, well, I've written down Alex Ferguson choosing Moyes as his successor. I was going to say, I thought you were just going to say Alex Ferguson and leave it at that. It's like Roy Keane, Alex Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, we got some bad press last week, didn't we, from a City fan? I've never seen any bad press yeah. from Twitter. Yeah. But the way that all the 9320 uh, supporters rallied round was brilliant. But what did, um, what, what did he call us? Was it pompous or pomposity? Wasn't it? Pompous. I, I think maybe with, when we're talking about, I mean, it might have been my Luton Town connection, I'm not sure, but I think it was more about when we're talking about going to the games and stuff and, yeah. and the atmosphere, he must have found that a bit pompous, which is ridiculous. And like I say, you don't need to shout that out. No. But, um, no, but I, I mean, I, I mentioned yeah. Boris Johnson at one point, so it might have been. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. Nothing divides like politics, especially it's right never now. get politics in the podcast. Yeah. 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 
Uh, I've also put Phil Jones's face. <laughs> I mean, you could just leave it at that. Or... That's a fanzine title, isn't it? I mean, basically, if fanzines yeah. were still around today, that would definitely be my fanzine title of choice. Phil Jones's face. Yeah. Obviously, when Sergio Aguero struck that, that one into the top corner. Mm. Uh <laughs> A bird crapping at Ashley Young's mouth. I've obviously been looking at too many YouTube videos. <laughs> Gerard Slip. Uh, but my favourite, I don't really like all... You know these videos that used to come out with... Was it Nick Hancock or something? Oh, you know, yeah, Christmas, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I hated stuff like that. But yeah. there's one video that always cracks me up, and it's physios dropping people off stretchers as they try to take them off a football yeah. pitch. So. Yeah. Uh, that... that if you're always feeling down, just go into YouTube and watch the three-minute video of that because, I mean, there's some of them where the physio has literally got his arse on the player's face as he's trying to carry them off. It's mad to think uh, of those videos. Uh, much like, yeah, like Mario Balotelli trying to put a bib on, basically. They just I was about to say to, the bib, yeah. That's genius. Yeah, can't seem to work very simple things. So. That'd be like, it's mad to think that those videos at one stage would be one of your main presents at Christmas. It'd be like thirteen ninety nine for a VHS. And you get yeah. it, and you're like, oh god, thanks, oh, yeah. <laughs> And then within the space of two years, it was just in the bargain bins for like a quid and stuff. And you'd, you'd watch it once, and then like, <laughs> yeah. right, don't don't need to see that again, do I? <laughs> but things like that were really good for Christmas Day because you know when you got your family around, you get elderly relatives and stuff like that. You can just go away, couldn't you, and just watch it, and um, yeah, it got you through Christmas Day. And um, for me, it's an obvious choice. Uh, funniest thing away from City, and it's Gerard Slip. Um, I just think. Yeah. That was perfect. It will never be more perfect. What, what preceded it, and the kind of we go again, we do not let this slip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it couldn't have been scripted any better. Um, and just, you know, the, 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 the man that he was, and not the most popular of, of fellas outside of Anfield, um, that, that whole machinery kind of where it's whirring up to this kind of you know, kind of fancy season and what it would mean to them and just everything about it and just for it to come unstuck in that fashion was amazing. Um, yeah, and I was going to say something about the, you know, their present season coming unstuck, but yeah, let's keep away from that and let's just keep it to comedy for today and keep it light. And um, with that in mind, uh, cards on the table, I don't have an answer for the next question because I've just seen it now uh-huh. and thought, oh crap, I forgot to answer that. Yeah. So... It's who is the funniest player slash manager, uh, Leon? Well, I better not say Roy Keane, better I? Be, be, <laughs> no, you better not. I'll be, I'll well, he's neither a player trouble. nor manager, so yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, no, but I, I just want to kind of emphasise that I'm not particularly a fan. I just think again in a st- in a oh, sterile envi- in a sterile in a sterile environment that we live in, particularly on these on the shows with the pundits. I do. It does kind of make me laugh. Um, funniest player or manager? Again, I mean, it is tricky. I mean, someone. I tell you why. Because again, like like it happens in all sport and with people on the telly, people who are funny, like Phil Tufnell, was quite funny as a cricketer. Mm. And then what happens is they become uh, personalities in their own right. Yes. Yeah. But they no longer become funny. Yeah. So Phil Tufnell irks me like no other now because he, he's become a caricature. He's become a caricature of what actually he was. And actually, he's, he's now become kind of clean cut and it doesn't work. So, you know, I find that difficult, which means um, 
I mean, we can leave it because it is it's a tricky question to be fair and um, and we've got yeah. so much kind of other stuff well, to I cover. found one uh, who's yours one. Howard well Peter Crouch seems a genuine yeah, funny yeah. guy a nice guy yeah uh, the problem is yeah. just I don't know any I don't know players managers all you see I mean you, you see like, like your Warnocks and your uh, Allardyces on the what's that Sunday morning goals on Sunday is it Couch mm. and they're all nice and quite funny and then they're utter arseholes on the touchline <laughs> and they're, t- they're yeah. so very different people I'm sure Alex Ferguson's a nice guy away from football but you can't get past what he was like as a manager the same but, with Jose Mourinho not- who seems it just but all the players are so literally so everything's so sanitised I know nothing about Bernardo Silva yeah, Benjamin Mendy's social media. I, I, can, well. I can't imagine De Bruyne's got a, a dry sense of humour. If that comes across, I think. Well, yeah, we just won't know. Will we, we won't know. You've got, no. well, I think Carl. I think Carl Walker. Obviously, apart from his behaviour last the other night, but Carl Walker and Stones. I've seen some of their yeah. clips, and they yeah. can be quite funny. But when I was talking about how I become caricatures with Tuffner, I meant someone like Jimmy Bullard. Jimmy Bullard yes, was kind definitely. of amusing as a player. Yeah. But then you see him now and I can't even watch him Same because here. it's all this sort of laddie, let, let, let's recreate. And, and and it's just, it doesn't work. Like I enjoyed Ian Holloway for a while, but then obviously again, a deathly silence like Roy Keane. But I, I did think Holloway was quite funny and a character. But again, you get sick of it and yeah. these guys don't evolve. And in the end, you're like, oh, I can't bear to watch him. I think that's the same in, in away from football in the commentary sphere as well. It's very easy where if someone has a niche, they just keep kind of furrowing that plough, don't they? And then um, well, it's, before you know it, that's, that's, that defines them. That's who they are. And yeah. you can't get out of that kind of um, you know, that box. I don't know. It all seems to fit the Soccer AM Saturday morning crowd. Oh, God. So- what has happened to Soccer AM? That used to be, even though, I mean, what's his name? Um, Tim Lovejoy. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, one of the biggest arseholes who's ever walked the planet. Um, but even though it was him, it was so good back then. Yeah, well, it's his yeah. his baby, really. Yeah, like, and yet now, oh, God, I can't even... If it comes on, I turn over, I just can't even do it. still, the little section he had with uh, City fans when he interviewed them and started dancing does still make me laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Every time I watch it. So. Yeah, well, but I mean, the takeover. One, joke, when one joke trick that's been stretched out, but I still... Yeah, it. absolutely. But, but if you look at the Lovejoy days, obviously, again, the soccer at and all that stuff, you know, it just it wouldn't work now. Oh, so. dated to hell. Yeah, yeah. So it's dated to hell. Yeah. So, I mean, but but no, I mean, I think we all enjoyed Soccer AM. Um well, sort of, on that note, someone put a clip up. I saw it on Twitter the other day. A, you know, a girl came out um, and you know, the presenter said, "Oh, so how old are you?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm 18. And it, it kind of pans to all, "Yeah, yeah, all these middle-aged guys." It's like, "Oh, <laughs> that's a bit 70s." <laughs> yeah. um, right, let's move away from football and move on to film, um, a subject we covered in the film pod. Um, but yeah, if we're going to talk about comedy, then we have to talk about film. Um, I'll start very quickly by just saying, basically repeating myself what I said in the film pod. Um, I'll happily watch anything by Mel Brooks, particularly Young Frankenstein. Um, seeing the amazing Peter Boyle sing "Putting on the Ritz" with Gene Wilder is one. It's just a joy. It's just something I can return to time and time again. It's so utterly childish and it's done so so perfectly. Um, and just a shout out to a, a film called Booksmart, which is um, it's free on Prime and it shouldn't be because it was only out last year. And it won a ton of awards. Um, so I clicked on it and, you know, expecting to have to pay for it, what, 4 99 whatever. 
uh, and it's free. So it's a really kind of endearing and funny film. Um, so yeah, Howard, um, favorite comedy films. Well, I'll start with Doom, but Blazing Saddles was on my list. Ah, so. incredible. Yeah. I mean, the, the pure old baked being seen. The whole thing's pure right, isn't it? When you return to yeah. it, it's so childish and it makes all the better for it. Yeah, you just need that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I said on the film one, Life of Brian, uh, prefer Martin Python film over the TV programme, I think. So, yeah, the Holy Grail, either of those two. Airplane, one and two as well. Uh, and yeah, I, I would, there, yeah, there's comedy films are things I'd watch time and time again that I wouldn't with other stuff. So, yeah, I'd watch a great film, but comedy you can come back to. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, last week I just watched Naked Gun films. Because <laughs> it's just perfect at this time to turn off and, uh, and watch stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's it really. Uh, Groundhog Day I watched the other week as well, which I love. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's so many. Spinal Tap, Doctor Strange, Love the Sun. Yeah, it's uh, the best way to... <laughs> so there's plenty of time to watch stuff like this at the moment. But yeah, a lot of the older stuff I think I am going to revisit in the next few weeks, I think. Well, it's timeless, aren't they? The, the best of them yeah. are timeless. So. Yeah. Uh, Leon, what's your shout-out? Yeah, I mean, I love my comedy. I, I love comedy TV probably more because I think, and especially mm-hmm. when you try and write comedy and horror, both genres... That the setup's great, and then it kind of fizzles out towards the end. Um, but mm. School of Rock, if that's considered a comedy, that's, that is I, such uh, a feel-good film. That is, isn't it? I do love that, and yeah. I do love. I did it at the time, and I can still watch it again. Meet the Parents. Yeah, I uh, I did enjoy, and again they went probably too long on it, but um, Hangover I enjoyed. The first one. Yes, the first one, yeah. And then Bridesmaids. Um, like if I tried to remake Bridesmaids, it would probably be similar to The Hangover. But that's basically, <laughs> if, if a film's on and you, you flick onto it, that's the kind of idea of a good comedy for me, that you can watch it again. And I think uh, some of the Farrelly Brothers stuff, you can do with that. I also, Trading Places was a classic. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I talked about the Leon getting larger clip out of airplane. <laughs> airplane, and how? But, um, but trading places, I uh, I also loved. But no, I think I think the test of a good comedy is if it's on Sky or on the telly now, and you just you'd watch it. And I do that with Bridesmaids a bit. I do it with Meet the Parents, and I do it with. I mean, Booksmart is a great film as well. I really enjoyed that. Mm. I watched that at the cinema over in LA, but. School of Rock, yeah. So there's some decent ones, but I do think the '80s and like the Naked, the Naked Gun series and uh, and of its time were hilarious. And uh, some Woody Allen films have got uh, funny bits in them. Are you like the early like stuff Woody is Allen silly, silly as hell. I love the early Woody Allen. Well, I love you know right up to kind of last ten years. Maybe he's made two good films in the last ten years, but. Um, yeah, the early stuff, it's so silly, so utterly silly, and, and it's perfect for when you're growing up as well, and um, it really kind of, you know, when you're a teenager, you really hit that sensibility, you know, that pure right sensibility, but done in a very clever way as well. So, that's... Oh, what- by the way, one more, so, sorry, there's one more just as well, just, I wanted to, I forgot to mention, In Bruges. Uh, yes, yeah, I yeah, think, great script. I think, is it- yeah. 
It's a great script and a genius film. What do you think of Seven and, Psychopaths? Right? Yeah, I, I didn't. I think it was a. I have. I only watched it at the cinema once. I haven't gone back to it because I think it was kind of trying too hard. It was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I still enjoyed it. Um, and he, he's an amazing writer and director. And then look, what last shout out? It might be a little bit cliche, but I did enjoy the first American Pie. Yeah. Mm. Well, that was that's what Americans do best of all, don't they? When it comes to their comedy, that kind of rites of passage stuff, um, they excel at that, don't they? And, and in their horror as well, it's always rites of passage, isn't it? It's, you know, that's why it's always a kind of you know seventeen-year-old girl running through the woods chased by a monster. It's um, they love all their prom stuff, don't they? And uh, American Pie kind of fit into that genre well. Um, what about books? I mean, I struggled with this. I regretted actually putting this up as a, a question. Um, Howard, any kind of comedy books? What kind of spring to mind for you? No. Uh, <laughs> I was just, when you, yeah, I looked at the list and thought, I don't, you know, read a lot, but I don't look to books for... Either. I don't, and it surprised and the I hell out of me. And I don't know if it's just harder. Uh, now, I'm going to talk, I'll talk later about making you laugh. I find, yeah, I can't think of many books where I've sat there and I've laughed out loud. Whereas when we discuss a certain... TV shows later. Mm. Maybe it's easy to do it visually than the writing, but yeah, I mean, these are just, these are humorous, funny books, but I wouldn't say that, you know, none of them would have me uh, rolling around basically. Uh, but I find Bill Brighton's, you know, Notes from a Small Island uh, generally humorous and very well, you know, easy book uh, to read. And it did, you know, made me smile a lot. Uh, and I think mostly Pocoon by uh, Spike Milligan is probably one of the few funny books I've read, you know, fictional, mm. uh, about, I think it's about they had to draw up the Northern Ireland island border, so quite topical at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, not drawing the border, but uh, we'll have uh, issues with that with Brexit. And it goes through this tiny village called Pocoon, and it's it's brilliantly written book by Spike Milligan. Uh, but mostly I think it's just column books would probably be the ones from you know, comedians who have put their columns into books. Yes. Or the sort of things I think of, like Stuart Lee, uh, I think Frankie Boyle, maybe Charlie Brooker as well, some of his older stuff, books about a decade ago, were good reads, basically. Mm. Uh, and Adam Kay, the junior doctor one, who, you know, his, his diaries from uh, hospital, it was he's become quite a big name in the last couple of years. There's humour as, as, as well as a lot of, you know, poignancy in it, so... Yeah, so they're the ones that I could think of, but I'll be honest, I don't, you know, if you look at my books, 90% of them would not be about humor it's, at all. It seemed to me, and it surprised me, it really did. I mean, when you yeah. said about um, column books, uh, there's another genre, I don't know really, maybe you two know what it's called, I, I don't, but where a comedian will put themselves into a certain situation and then write about it. Um, I'm yeah. thinking Dave Gorman in particular, um, I've read pretty much every everything he's ever written. Um, oh, the fridge one I read, yeah. Around the uh, island in a fridge, yeah. Tony Hawk's, yeah. Uh, that was really he's, good. Um, he's the one who said yes to everything. So, uh, yes, man know. was. Um, that was uh, Danny Wallace. That's it. Danny Wallace. Yes. We had him. Up, yeah, yes, man. That became a huge movie. Yeah, um, which is not a bad film, to be fair, Jim, is it? Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the only other one I just want to put forward, and this is a guy who's going to appear time and time again for the rest of this podcast. Um, I Partridge. Um, loved it. Uh, audio book. I, I never read oh, it. Of course, yeah, I've read yeah. that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so Leon, any comedy books that stand out? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I struggled with when I saw this on the agenda. I mean, I, I enjoyed 
The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole yes, when I was about 12. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the TV series was shocking, um, <laughs> but I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed, and again, I've never gone back to them, some Tom Sharp books. Yeah. When I was growing up, Wilt, I remember, um, about a blow up doll. I remember that one, but, um, I do think it's hard to write a comedy book. I, I, I suppose in comparison, I was going to sort of suggest podcasts, but we won't need to go there. But I was going to say growing up, Ben Elton was a pioneer because he he had all his gigs on tape. Mm. So I remember listening to a lot of Ben Elton tapes, you know, as a teenager in like the late 80s, early 90s, late 80s. So I suppose he wrote a few books as well. He still does. So a couple of Ben Elton books I enjoyed, but I can't bear him now. Well, you know, the um, weird thing is, I was talking to a mate the other day on the phone and we were talking about... Um, he just read a book in like three days or something. And I asked him if he'd ever read a book in it in one day. And he said, yeah, once. And I said, yeah, weirdly, I've only done it once. And I said, look, the strangest thing for me is it's Ben Elton. And I can't stand Ben Elton. Mm. But he, he wrote a book where it was a murder happened in like a big brother type environment. Um, you know, reality TV show, but someone actually set out to murder someone. And I remember reading it just like straight through right in one day. And he was like, Oh my God, my, mine was Ben Elton as well. So. For all of his vast failings, um, he sure does write a page turner, that bloke. <laughs> no, yeah, he does, but I, he was... I a, like he... Cain and Abel by Jeffrey Archer, so... Really? I've never read it. have all got our dirty secrets, haven't we? <laughs> no, but, but, but whatever you say about Ben Elton, I mean, he was... He wrote a book called Stark, which was mm. really good. Yeah. yeah. But he was, he was the sort of... One of the pioneers of stand-up comedy and the comedy as we know it now, and he did do the audio books and everything else, so... You know, again, like a lot of these stars we mentioned earlier and celebrities, he's become a caricature and not particularly likable. But you could never fault him for being right up there in the kind of transformation of British comedy from Sid James and Jim and you know uh, Jim Davidson. He was up there with Billy Connolly transforming it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, talking of Billy Connolly, and more to the point, sorry, he came on board Blackadder. After the first series. Yes, and the first series, in my opinion, is a tenth as good as the rest of them. Yeah. So Ben Elton did two, three... And it's flat, four. isn't it? The first series is just flat. Mm. But, um, yeah. Oh, he's, I mean, there's a really underrated one, Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, uh, which kind of came after the young ones. Um, I was, of course, he's written some great stuff, and then he just moved into musicals and got up his own arse, didn't he? And, I won't, I won't say became, the word. Became rich and successful. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I went to see uh, a book reading it of uh, Alexis Sale once in, uh, on the Wirral, and yeah. it was right. It was in the children's book section, but it, it, you know he was just talking about his new book. Uh, but there was just shoppers going around, so basically you had parents with their kids just looking at books, and he was talking to about 30 of us, and someone said, who's the worst person you've ever met? And his exact words, and I won't say the actual word, was, well... Ben Elton is a C-word. <laughs> and he said it really loud in a microphone and the whole shop heard and it's all his kids. And it was, I actually saw, I don't I've ever seen this happen, bar the Simpsons, where a mum actually put her hands over her kids' ears. <laughs> it's too late once they've too seen late. it. Yeah, yeah, it was out of the back. <laughs> um, right, okay, so as mentioned there, Billy Connolly, um, big kind of hero of mine growing up. Uh, let's move on to kind of the stand-up comedians now. Um, as a kid... I used to adore Jasper Carrot. Um, yeah. And, and funny enough, actually, I remember he, he wrote a book 
uh, kind of like, I think it's like semi-autobiography. Uh, and I just read that time and time again as a kid. Um, then came Billy Connolly. Um, after Billy Connolly was Bill Hicks for me, God rest his soul. Such a important figure in comedy as well as being such a clever and kind of, you know, hard hitting and funny guy. Um, and you imagine what he'd be like today with say Donald Trump, you know, Bill Hicks mm. taking on Donald Trump. Um, I used to love the droll one-liners of Stephen Wright. Uh, it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. Um, Chris Rock, <laughs> I love Chris Rock. Then moved on to kind of Chris Rock. Bill Burr's worth a shout as well. I think Bill Burr's really good. Um, and it's just one person I want to put out there, and he's well-known, but maybe this isn't. Um, James Acaster, his yeah. Netflix special is amazing. It's so good. It's really <laughs> it's clever. The Kidderminster chant. Yes, yeah. And, and, but the way that he circles back on himself every mm. time is so cleverly done. Um, and yeah, so that's my big shout, really. Kind of James A. Caster's Netflix special. Um, how would I start with you? Kind of stand up kind of heroes? Yeah, well, you remind me of Jasper Keller, who was a big, big fan. Mm. I was a big fan of his as well. But uh it's all it's all British, I think. It's strange. Yeah. I just never got into American stand-up, so uh, I don't think I'll be mentioned a single American stand-up uh, as a kid. Victoria Wood was just my absolute hero. Really. Yeah, yeah, I just incredible. thought she was the funniest person alive. So we're talking on the previous show, I think, of like... Yeah, when obviously we've had a lot of these recently. A famous musician dies, you know, and, he's, and they'll go... And people are truly devastated at the, you know, that those people change their lives. And I don't have many people like that. You know, like famous people yeah. would absolutely rock me. But Victoria Wood, even though I've not heard from her, has like kept staying with him when I heard she died yeah. for quite a while. How yeah, can, so- I, can I just interject and ask a question? Because you said earlier, and I completely agree with you, that it's really hard to, to write something, laugh out loud. Mm. Now, Victoria Wood, as well as obviously her delivery, her like ability, her kind of her performance, stagecraft, and all the rest of it, but fundamentally it comes down to her writing, doesn't it? It's, yeah. She was such a sublimely gifted writer. So would you, and, if you never saw her live and you just read what she'd written, would you laugh out loud? I think I would. Uh, you think you would? I think so. I, I think she's one of the rare ones who'd make both. me laugh out I mean, loud. It, yeah, possibly, yeah. I don't know because she does caricatures really well, and yeah, true. I think yeah, yeah, the visual aspect to that, but yeah, yeah and she, you know, just to tie up with Julie Walters as well. It was just, I mean, if you had, if anyone listening has no idea what I'm talking about, just look at the two soups uh, <laughs> sketch on YouTube and look up at Acorn Antiques, oh, which they they say was not a skiff on uh, Crossroads, but surely was. Yeah. Acorn Antiques is just the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I just, I could just watch it at any point, the same sketch, time and time again, <laughs> doing the same sort of joke, and it's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, uh, more recently, yeah, uh, it's a strange one, this. Uh, so, I, I've seen a lot of, a lot of comedians, and a, a lot of them were better when they were breaking through. Yeah. So, Michael McIntyre, I thought was brilliant when he was breaking through before he's everywhere and you kind of get tired of the shtick, but yeah. kind of getting back into him now. Yeah, you know, maybe you need some innocent comedy like that. The Michael McIntyre, the, uh, my kind of anecdote with him is, I can't remember who it was, but it was a famous comedian. Um, and he said that when they first saw his man draw spit, yeah. every single comedian said at the same time, you bastard. <laughs> 
because they just know, you know, they, they obviously know when they hear something like that, it's like, oh yeah, that's going to really take off. That's going to connect to people up. I saw him in Bristol at the tobacco factory there and he did that sketch and my friend Vic, who was with, she, she shouted out and started having a conversation with him during that really? sketch. And I'm just like, I'm cowering there going, please don't speak to him, don't speak to him. <laughs> but, but if you're going to speak to anyone, Michael McIntyre. What did she say? I can't remember. We were near the back, so this is a long-range conversation yeah. going, being shouted. At, I don't. It's just he asked for suggestions. I think because she started shouting out suggestions of what went right. in the mantra. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and like John Bishop as well. But you know, until they get their own TV shows, and you're like, I'll oh, just get off my TV. You're everywhere. Oh, my God, yeah. And you know, Jason Mathers starts there. Uh, you know, I really like. But you know, sometimes when starts singing and do other stuff, you forget about the early stuff. Uh, uh, at the moment, uh, it's weird. Mickey Flanagan is definitely, if I wanted to put a stand-up show on now and wanted to laugh and relax, it'd be him. He's, I think he's limited. He's, he's good it's at what he weird. does. Yeah, because he's basically, it kind of comes across a misogynist, cockney, wide boy. You think, no, I do not want to watch. It's everything I don't want in the stand-up. <laughs> but I go with the theory that he's putting it on and he do not mean it. Yeah. Which of course he is, is of course he is, of course he is. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I just find everything he says just, he's great. But he's another just, one, isn't he? When, it's when... a great deliverer of jokes. He's, he's got he's, he's got his image and I just think he's a funny guy. That, that kind and of out-out bit he's got. That's another yeah. one, the man draw. As soon as that comes out, as soon as another comedian sees him go, oh no, I'm not out-out, I'm just out. Guaranteed, because they're, they're a vicious lot, aren't they? Yeah, guaranteed, Robin. Exactly. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rod Gilbert is surprisingly, well, not surprisingly good, but you know, mm. uh, I don't think if you've not seen him live, you, you, and but you've seen him do TV programs, I think you'd be surprised by how his show goes. Lee Mack is brilliant live, and the final one is just Bill Bailey. I absolutely love. Yeah, because again, musical comedy really not my thing. Don't think it could work, but Bill Bailey is just on a different level. And yeah. uh, uh, I just remember once I I love Moby. Yeah, his music, or he used to anyway. And he, he went on stage, he was like, Moby, honestly, anyone could do it. For 10 seconds, you could do a Moby tune. And he got a sample of someone just screaming into, on the front row, screaming into a, <laughs> into a microphone, sampled it. And within two minutes, he's like, yeah, this is, this would be number one if Moby released this. And he's just like, he's an absolute genius, honestly. So, uh, that's my list, basically. Uh, Leon, your dream kind of stand up lineup? Um, well, it varies on age. So, in my youth, when I used to listen to NWA, thinking I was a rude boy, um, <laughs> I, I also I loved Eddie Murphy because I think when you're young, like we're talking about Ben Elton, those tapes. Basically, if people are swearing, you think it's brilliant. Mm. So, mm. Eddie Murphy, uh, Raw, I remember yeah. well. I got that an was ice amazing. Cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Raw. That was so. Again, I think. It, he was a massive pioneer. Cause obviously, Richard Pryor, who I love, was a big influence on him. But Eddie Murphy. Um, and back then as well, there was an Australian who, again, is not funny at all now, but his name was Kevin Bloody Wilson. Right. And he wrote all these songs about Santa Claus is a sea and all that. And again, <laughs> at 15 years old, it was hilarious. But I wouldn't go and see him now. Um, but Larry David... And Jerry Seinfeld, who do, both do a bit of stand-up. Obviously, mm. Jerry does a lot of it. They are my favourites. And then coming over here to the UK, Sean Locke, I really like. Yeah. Um, and... Um, do you think... Sorry to interject, Liam, but this is only my personal interpretation. I was wondering if the two of you agreed. Sean Locke is 
a very funny man, and he's very, very funny on panel shows. But as a stand-up, I think his personality, his persona, whatever you want to call it, is a bit distant from the crowd. You find it hard to fully invest in. I've seen him at Teenage Cancer Trust gig, and and he was the best of all of them. Right. Uh, And and that was when, again, we've talked about fame and success kind of ruining. Like Russell Brand, when he first arrived, was funny, Mm. really funny, and intelligent. And Sean Locke sort of out overshadowed him because Noel Fielding and Russell Brand presented it and Sean kind of stole the show. Uh, of, of the modern comedians, Ramesh Ranganathan, uh, yes. I'm a bit biased because he's come on a couple of my podcasts. <laughs> Should have seen him uh, two weeks ago, yeah. Oh, really? But yeah, I, I think he's brilliant. Um, Peter Kay, not, not so much the stand-up, but I do think we're going to the TV shows later, but he deserves a shout-out. And Carolina Hearn oh, yeah, no, um, is brilliant. And, and also Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan, I can't bear him now. Right. His, um, politics and his attitude to life. But I remember taking my older sister to one of his gigs when he did Tony Farino and the health and safety guy yeah. Yeah. and um, Paul Carf and Pauline yeah. Carf. And, and he, you know, he's a genius. And unfortunately, most, most of these guys especially from more working-class backgrounds, turn into pompous pricks now. I mean, we got called our podcast pompous, but, I mean, these guys <laughs> are the worst. And I'd put Steve Coogan in that. Whereas Rob Brydon, I really enjoy it. And Ricky Gervais, again, obviously he's so popular. But I remember seeing a stand-up comedy charity gig again, and it had all the best comedians on it, including at the time. And Ricky came on, and, and it, he wasn't a big stand-up performer. He'd had animals and a few of his tours that were huge. But he wasn't, um, he hadn't done the circuits. And everyone was doing this intelligent comedy. And Ricky came on and he tried to do an accent of a, an African girl. And he couldn't even finish the joke. And the whole place was in stitches. He has the power of a stage. You see it at the yeah. Golden Globes. He's got it. He's got that. And I remember seeing him on the 11 o'clock show. Yeah, when he was yeah. young and yeah. just rude. But um, <laughs> Ricky Gervais would be the number one. Because, but again, it's tricky, but I, I even watch his sort of wartime speeches now, six o'clock on Twitter, and he is still funny because he, he gets away with saying anything and he does it with humour, but he's not particularly likeable, I don't think, which again affects it. Um, and like Howard mentioned Mickey Flanagan, um, who I've met for a few meetings. He is a lovely bloke. He's not at all, yeah. it's all a persona. Yeah. And um, and he he's very good, and he's quite good on the. I don't really like comedians on TV shows, like doing their diaries or their travels and all that kind of stuff. But I think he is very good, Mickey Flanagan. So that's my that's my set list done. Okay, well moving on Can to I, sorry, just one final. Two, yeah, you know about people changing. I saw Frank Skinner in 1992. Yeah, at my intro week at Leeds University, and that's probably still. Maybe it's the amount of alcohol I had inside me. One of the funniest gigs I've ever been to. Yeah. And I, th- I think Frank Skinner's son has come full circle. Yeah, no. He, he, then he started getting successful. He started and went to a show, and it's one of the worst I've been to. And I'm afraid Ricky Gervais was the worst because it was just, not because he wasn't funny, but Ricky Gervais kind of recycled some podcast stuff. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He does do that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's even recycled in Afterlife now, some of his stuff. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh yeah, we may come to that. I don't, yeah, but Frank Skinner would come on in his mid forties and talk about all the groupies he'd shagged, and it's like, no, I don't want to see that from a man in his middle age mm. talking about. But now I think he's come full circle. You see him on Room One Hundred One. He's just a generally funny and nice. Well, guy, it's stand up. Yeah. The stand up now is it's kind of gone back to yeah. You know, he's re- revisited it basically, re- kind of revised it, and kind of now he's got and like someone like Lenny Henry. Uh, I haven't seen any of it, but apparently what I've read. He's done a very similar thing where he's yeah. lived his life, can made all his changes, and then he's like, "No, hang on, I want to really try stand up again. I'm going to strip everything back and just as if I'm starting out, basically, but with the you know the advantage of having all these years of experience." And yeah. so I would happily go. Yeah, you know, I'm not Lenny Henry's biggest fan by any stretch, but I'd, I'd watch him now as opposed to back kind of you know yeah. a few years ago. And same Frank Skinner. I, I never really bought into that. I didn't mind you know, fancy football. I loved all that, but. As a stand-up, I just yeah, it was a bit too, bit too seventies for me. Um, but I'd happily watch him now. Yeah, but so, David Baddiel was a, was great, a, a great uh, theatre production. I watched it the other year about family, my family. I think yes, it's called. Yeah, my, you know, so Baddiel again. I wasn't a big fan when he was on the shows before, but he's very basically. I think as you get older, you admire intelligence and quick wit, and I think he's got both those in abundance. Yeah, absolutely. So if that's us sorted for nights out um, when we are able to have nights out. What about Thanks, nights yeah. in? Um, kind of looking at box set kind of recommendations or just basically, you know, I left this question purposely as a broad church because we're just celebrating kind of comedy on TV in, in whatever format it could be. Um, so how do you want to go first to who kind of I mean, Howard picks all the best stuff. If Howard goes first, he picks all the best okay. stuff. Oh, go on, Leon. Go on, Leon. <laughs> no, I've, I've deliberately chosen some vague stuff, forgotten okay. stuff. But yeah, no, tell Leon to go first. Go okay. on, Leon. No, I'll, I'll, be really, I'll be really quick, actually. I mean, Kirby Enthusiasm yes. is the greatest show ever made <laughs> yes. for me. Uh, the production values have got higher and the characters have especially this season when poor old Funkhauser died in real life, they brought in Vince Vaughn and, uh, and John Hamm. And, you know, I mean, it's just got, it's got brilliant that. And, and because he's so old now, you don't sort of, and he sort of stays to who he was. Mm. You can't really not like him. Well, having said that, I've got some friends in LA on a recent, um, woman I got to know through work says that he's a complete asshole. Oh, don't so, tell me that. That was disappointing. <laughs> I met him briefly outside a place called Craig's in Beverly Hills, and I, I was half cut and just sort of was probably very careful with him. I realised he's t- he's tiny and mm. frail and old, so I was probably overly nice. I couldn't get a judgment, but I heard he's a complete asshole. But anyway, Kirby Enthusiasm, uh, Louis C.K., although you're not supposed to like mm-hmm. him anymore, um, he was brilliant. Yeah, and still is, um, and as far as so they're the highlights on anything they do. Um, but of recent stuff, this country is one of those comedies. Yeah. I remember when I used to have a lot of late nights out and early mornings in. You wanted to watch comedy that you were familiar with to try and sleep to, and I think uh, The Office was one of those, and Extras was one of those, and Curb was one of those, and recently if. If I'm trying to get to sleep, I will watch, which is a bad advert for good comedy, but I just mean that I'll keep watching it over and over again. And this country, I think, is um, is really genius. Yeah. We and, went uh, to uh, Cotswolds recently. And that one of the I main saw your reasons, photo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the main yeah. reasons we went there. 
<laughs> but apparently the yeah. guy who owns the house is really nice about it. He's dead. You know, he actually encourages it. Because um, if I'd heard any different, I wouldn't have you know stood outside and had my photo taken. And, um, but yeah, we love this country so much that what I'm going to do after this pod, because before this pod, I said to my wife, you know, kind of, what, what do we watch? What kind of box sets do we watch? And she reeled off a couple of names. That's oh, of course, yeah, yeah. What I'm going to do after this pod is go outside and say, oh, we forgot to mention this country. And she will be gutted. <laughs> and then I'll say, ah, but Leon mentioned it. And she'll be relieved. It's, you know, she'll want it out there in the world. It's, um, yeah, we adore it. Yeah, no, I've probably forgotten a lot of others, but th- 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 they're, the, they're the comedy series that really, uh, that I, I, I'm into now and that I've, the pick of the ones from yesteryear. Okay, Howard, what about yourself? What about when you were growing up? What was the kind of um, the must-see TV? You, we're the same age, so was the young ones important oh, to you? F- no. no. <laughs> I can't stand it. I can't stand that. So when you were a kid, you couldn't stand the young ones? No. Wow. Well, but I don't know, actually. I, can't, I don't have the precise memory. So I mean, you maybe I'm, like maybe I'm projecting my current views onto my childhood. Right, okay. Uh, maybe I absolutely loved it. I can only say what I think now. So Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't remember stuff growing up whatsoever. So I can't remember the TV shows that were, that were big at that time. So uh, I was just one. So I'll, I'll stick to the present to be okay. honest, because I've got a better memory of this week than 1985. So. Uh, there's just one thing. I mean, there's a couple. I better mention something American. Uh, the finish now, Modern Family, yeah, and Brooklyn Nine Nine Nine. I'm watching that things. now. Yeah, yeah. Not now. Obviously, I'm talking to you I'll guys. Both of them. I wouldn't be but, so rude. Yeah, Modern Family could easily just veer into the schmaltz and sockiness, yeah. but Especially I think in that it just with its messaging, you know, and the voiceover. <laughs> but I think it just keeps on the light side. Got some great characters and great writing. Uh, Though it didn't it didn't finish perfectly, but they're the two. But there's one thing I was gonna. I'll I'll finish on the one thing I watch right now. But I've been revisiting some old stuff, and yeah, it's pretty much all Manchester based. So you've got. Uh, I mean, Alan Partridge is Norwich, but you know what I mean by Manchester. Mm. I could rewatch that, you know, just endlessly, and even go back to the beginning when he had his own show as well. Is yeah, his variety show Phoenix Nights and the best of them, which is it. Early Doors. Which, oh, I'm so doors, glad I've been mentioned on this. Early yes. Doors is the best. Yeah. I, I got a pre-sale on when they went on tour. So I got to see them in the first week of the tour in the small Lowry Theatre. And that is still the greatest two hours I think I've had in a theatre hmm. for anything. I include music and other comedy gigs. It was just, per- it was everything I wanted it to be. So, uh, yeah. Uh, a couple of old ones. Coupling, which is like a... A British Friends, right, much more yeah. adult. Uh, do try it. People Like Us, which I don't think anyone will have heard of. Yeah, Peter Maynard, isn't it? The bo- yeah, it was the first mockumentary, I think. So yeah, this, it was, yeah. the office and everything comes from this. Yeah, but because the main guy got done for uh, certain sex offences, I think yeah. it's been. I don't think you'll see it on the BBC ever, or even Chris, get to see it. Someone, but, wasn't it? I can't remember. But basically, yeah, he was. Uh, he went to see a every. T- Every episode, he went to see a different profession. So he'd go and see some police officers. He'd go and see solicitors. But everyone in it, in it, was an absolute idiot. So everything went wrong. Yeah. He was just dealing with idiots, and he was an idiot himself in a way, or you know, very hard done by. And it's just brilliant, honestly. If you can find people like us anywhere, then uh, I'd definitely do that. Detectorists is the perfect. Oh one, so. yes. Oh, 
Yeah. And I am yeah, amazing. Well done. Well said. I am mission to spread this to the rest of the world. Yeah. What a yeah, beautiful, genius. beautiful. Not laugh out loud all the time, but just a lovely, beautiful piece. And it's on iPlayer, isn't it? The whole lot on iPlayer. So it's, and Netflix just, as well. Is and it? Netflix. Brilliant. Yeah. Right, and the final thing then, what I watch all the time, the thing I said, I was trying to write a script and I said, look, I want to recreate this. I've got this idea for scripts that what the things I, if you're sat in a pub with your mates, you laugh more, I think, then than at anything you can watch on television. So if you could replicate natural laughter like that, you're onto a winner with a script. And I, the one show that I think replicates that is Taskmaster for me, which on the surface is just a show about... Mm. So it's nine series, it's on Dave, all of it. You get five comedians or celebrities in. They do mundane tasks. Greg Davies, the Taskmaster, alongside Alex Horn, hands out points for who's done the best. Some of them are like moving an egg 30 metres. It sounds dull as dishwater. Uh, and it's... It's a great one honestly, for YouTube, that is. It's just perfect. It's a perfect evening watch. And I will laugh out loud eight to ten times during an hour's yeah. episode. And I can't think of anything else that would do that. It's just beautifully put together. Uh, the the idiot, you know, the, the joy in it is when people do silly, stupid things when there's a simple task and how people deal with it. And you learn a lot about the characters as well. <laughs> Taskmaster for me is just, and there's nine series, and I will re-watch them time after time after time because you can just dip in for as long, you know, little as long as you want. So that's my, if I had one thing to watch during lockdown, it'd be that. Well, it won't surprise anyone in the least if they're not familiar with Taskmaster to learn that some of the very funniest parts are from Bob Mortimer. Yeah. Um, and the same but goes not- for Would I Like To yeah, but amazingly, he's not the star. It's like you get a lineup and think, oh, they don't look too good. And, mm. and the chemistry between them will just be perfect. So yeah. I think they've cast the contestants really, really well. Yeah. They, did an, they did an American one, by the way, and it was appalling. <laughs> Alex Horner was actually on it, but rather than downbeat, they, did, they glammed it all up. So they all, you know, when they go to that Taskmaster house mm. in America, it's a huge, it's a villa with a pool <sighs> in California, and it's just. It doesn't work when you try to when you throw money at it. The beauty of Taskmaster is how simple it is. So. Well, mine comes down to two family trees. If you basically constructed a kind of a, a comedic family tree, and there's two of them, right at the roots of one would be the young ones and the alternative comedy scene that that kind of grew out of. The comic strip presents I adored as a mm. kid. Uh, and the other one, basically Steve Coogan, um, Saxondale, Coogan's run, right up to the, the trip today. Um, me and Howard, I've disagreed on this before now, and this is a pod in itself, but I believe that knowing me, knowing you, is far superior to I'm Alan Partridge. Um, as <laughs> amazing as I'm Alan Partridge is, and as quotable as it is, I just know every single line to know me, knowing you. Yeah. My all-time comedy hero will be always Ronnie Barker. Um, the fact that you can watch Porridge and then you can watch Open yeah. All Hours and yeah. he was five years, I think, in the age difference between those two mm. roles and you look at the two characters. I mean, just not just a comedy great, but an acting giant. Oh, yeah. Um, a can, really just big Just to put in before you go on, just the, the two Ronnies as well. Yeah, Do, yeah. If people, I mean, most, loads of people have heard this, but if you want to look something up, just look up the Mastermind sketch. On. Well, the thing is with two Ronnies, right, is everyone would put Morgan and Wise above the two Ronnies, but mm. 
the best of Morecambe and Wise trumps the best of yeah. the two runnies. But consistently, oh, know. you know, I mean, there's so much of Morecambe and Wise which just wasn't funny. It really wasn't. There's so much of Tommy Cooper which wasn't funny, you know, but the best of is genius. Um, whereas the two runnies consistently, you know, a sketch show every week. Uh, that's hard. That's hard work. But Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I mean, you look at the fast show, which I love. Yeah. There's plenty of duds in there if you watch all episodes. Yeah, it's not yeah sketch shows are sketch hard. Shows. Sketch shows yeah, are really hard. hard. What's yeah. the one with Simon? Um, oh, God, I can't remember what it's called now, so I'll leave it. But there was a really good sketch show. It was underrated. It was on Boosie 2. Big Train. Was. Big Train. That's a one. Nice one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the masturbation in the office <laughs> sketch was just... <laughs> So, uh, we'll, never, as, we'll never be unseen, let's put it that way. As well as Alan Partridge, the day-to-day was just utter genius for me, the day-to-day. I can watch that over and over again. Um, but my big shout-out is Peter Cook and Chris Morris on something called Why Bother. Uh, Peter Cook was his character, Arthur Streep Griebling. Basically, Chris Morris, we all know what Chris Morris is like. You know, He's quite an intimidating guy through his intellect and his kind of genius. He just was petrified beforehand because Peter Cook was his hero. Peter Cook comes in. It's all improvised apart from Chris Morris has a kind of through line of kind of, you know, what the questioning will be. And it just goes down some very, very weird routes. And it's available. I don't know where it's available. I know you can get kind of CDs of it. It's amazing. It's Peter Cook basically having this incredible Indian summer of comedy, just kind of coming out of all these brilliant stuff, which shocks even Chris Morris you know, he talked at one point about a miniature Jesus Christ practicing the resurrection, um, and they all expected it not to air or to have floods of complaints. But it was on Radio Three, and no one, no one listened, <laughs> no one knew. Um, but yeah, why bother? Peter Cook, Chris Morris, um, Spaced. I adored Spaced. Yeah. Kirby Enthusiasm is the greatest, as Leon said. Um, Arrested Development. It was amazing, and whoever was in charge of BBC. Um, scheduling at the time should be fired then fired and then fired again because they used to put it out at like half 11 and then the following week they'd be on at 10 o'clock and they just messed it around the schedules and it never really caught a British audience um, and the final one is Parks and Recreation if you haven't seen Parks and Recreation please watch Parks and Recreation Ron Swanson is my life guru um, <laughs> but just the first season is good and you think oh, I might, might carry on watching this and then once you're invested in the characters, and bear in mind as well, the first season, they haven't, the writers haven't got to know who the characters are yet. And as soon as it settles down, oh, it's, it's, I think it's about eight seasons and it's just a joy. Um, which, which Americans get to do. We don't get to yes, do that in this country. Absolutely. One season, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, but was the season Zari in that? He was, wasn't yes, he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, see, yeah. He, again, he's been hammered a bit for the, for a couple of incidents uh, with the Me Too movement, but he he's very funny actually, as he's Anzari. He is. He's he written is. a really couple of good romance books, um, and uh, he, yeah, he's very good. Sorry to interrupt there. No, no, I've, I've done that. Yeah, absolutely. You're I'm, done. I want to give him a shout but, out. The, 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 there is one thing we forgot. I've got to uh, sadly go now, but only fools and horses. Yes. Growing oh, up, the Chris, the, the Christmas specials, the Beano mm. to Margate. I mean. They are probably the best ever. I mean, we all love Forty Towers and all the more sort of 
I suppose, what liberal comedians or in, more intelligent comedians, but for, for timing and for jokes and for characters, John Sullivan absolutely nailed that show. Yeah. And That's... whoever you are, whatever your beliefs, political comedy, I think only Fools and Horses, particularly the Christmas specials, were, were the greatest things yeah. ever. Right, yeah, that's, that's my greatest TV program of all time. It's the one you can return to and you dip into, and it makes you feel yeah. good. And it's got yeah, great lines. It's got everything, hasn't it? It's, yeah. Right, guys, let's wrap this up. Um, it's been a joy talking about comedy, and it's just made me want to go and revisit so many great box sets. To be honest, um, thank you very much for joining us today, Leo. Thank you. No, I really, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. Yeah, I really enjoyed that as well. So, um, yeah, go and check out any other kind of pods and blogs on the uh, Netflix 20 platform. There's some great stuff out there, everyone. And uh, thanks for listening in. Hope you enjoyed it. And as ever, up the blues. <laughs>